Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, host and moderator of Long in the Tooth. This is a podcast primarily for late career dentists who are interested in doing a great job with their practices currently and also in planning for a transition of their practices to new ownership in the future. Our vision for the podcast is to be an educational format, not salesy at all. If you have been directed to join this podcast by a member of the dental industry in the United States, please thank them. This is going to benefit you. These are educational presentations that will hopefully help your profitability, your peace of mind, and your planning for the future as you are considering transitioning your practice to new ownership. Well, this is Bob Brooks with Long in the Tooth Podcast. We're happy to have you with us again today. And our special guest is Ben Stewart with Bank of America Practice Solutions. Ben is the sales director for the southeast part of the United States. Ben, we're happy to have you with us today. Thanks, Bob. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to talk to you here today. Uh, uh, again, my name is Ben Stewart, and I'm with Bank of America Practice Solutions. I've been with uh, uh, Bank of America, specifically in the dental finance division, for actually 20 years now, uh, which is hard to believe. So just past my 20-year mark, uh, and excited to talk to you today about what's going on in the, uh, in the dental world. Well, that, that is the topic of the day, and uh, you know, deals can't get done without financing, and so uh, your, your key in this whole industry is so vital. So let's just start in with today's first question, Ben. What changes in loan criteria occurred as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, great question, Bob. So, so let's do this. Let, let's just take a, a step back in time here uh, and, and look back on the last two years, because a lot, obviously, as we know, has happened in these past two years uh, with everything, uh, uh, with the COVID uh, uh, disease sweeping across the country. So if we go back to 2020, um, in, in pre-pandemic, uh, we were the dental industry was thriving. We were we were riding some of the biggest highs that we've seen in a long time with interest rates and everything else. As we moved into the pandemic and things started to shut down and dental offices uh, started to close, um, for the first time in our history, we actually stopped lending for a period of time. So from April through about the end of July, uh, we we put all our efforts and energy into uh, helping doctors out with PPP loans. Uh, deferments on on their deals, and so um, it was an unprecedented time for us. And and as we started to move through that and come out of the pandemic, uh, and and as practices were starting to open back up, as you can imagine, um, we we took some some very uh, light steps back into the lending space because we wanted to make sure that the industry was was strong and um, that that practices were able to rebound and, and people were going back to see the dentist. So. Um, we changed up our criteria on how we were looking at deals uh, as we came out in August of 2020 and, and really through the end of last year. Um, but I can tell you, Bob, it's been uh, pretty remarkable how robust and how uh, resilient the dental industry is. Um, as you can imagine, we've got um, we are the largest dental lender in the country, so we've got a lot of dentists on the books. And, and so uh, in reaching out to our clients through that PPP and loan deferments and having just conversations with them to find out what was going on, uh, they rebounded much faster than we anticipated. So although uh, in the late, later stages of 2020, um, there was a lot of restrictions on what we were going to do on the lending side, um, I can tell you if you fast forward to today, you know, our lending criteria 
is, is really what it was pre-COVID. So the industry has been um, uh, very strong. Our portfolio stayed very strong. Our, our loan losses and, and default rate is, is really almost at an all-time low even right now. So um, it was great to see that the dental industry really pulled through uh, and, and there wasn't a huge impact uh, even from the, the, you know, the few months that the offices were shut down. So I can tell you that today, the loan criteria that we're looking at in underwriting our loans is very similar, if not exactly the same, uh, as it was pre-COVID. Um, with you know, the one stipulation that we're looking at is that just making sure those practices have rebounded uh, since uh, the pandemic. And, and I can tell you that the vast majority have. Well, that's good to know. And I don't want to um, uh, steal too much from some of our other uh, items that we plan to discuss. What about, uh, you said the criteria is pretty much what it was pre-pandemic. What about liquidity? Sure. So, so obviously with, with any um, event in a dental office, liquidity is one of the most important things, right? So, so in every transaction that we look at, we look at liquidity, um, not so much as, a, as a, an opportunity for them to put a down payment, but we want to make sure that they've got uh, available liquidity as a, as a nest egg, a rainy day fund, if you will. Uh, because if there were something to happen, maybe there was a, a you know something with their office, um, an illness, a sickness, an injury, a um, a pandemic. We want them to be able to tap into uh, some reserves to to keep things going. So um, our liquidity requirements and what we're looking for, I will tell you today, is what it was in, in pre-COVID and in, in, you know 2019 and, and earlier. Uh, we definitely want to see that they've got liquidity, but um, um, it's nothing more than what it was uh, pre pre-COVID. Got it. Got it. Well, that's good to know. And you know, Ben, as we go through this podcast today, this podcast is primarily for dental practice owners age 55 and above, but because they're, you know, everybody is eventually going to transition their practice to new ownership, uh, it's important for sellers to know what's available in the marketplace with buyers and what's going on in the marketplace. So as we discuss these different items, uh, some of our listeners may be thinking, well, you know, this is all buyer information. Well, it's really not because uh, deals don't get done unless they get financed and sellers need to know what's up. So uh, uh, we appreciate you addressing these questions. You know, one of the challenges I think that some of the late career practice owners have faced is this practice rebound that you, you said you want to make sure that the practices have rebounded. And there are many healthy practices. I was just at a practice uh, an hour and a half from our office last night and they're collections are up over the last six to nine months and things are going great. They're ready to sell. And, uh, but we see some practices that, uh, you know, maybe they took the foot off the gas, their foot off the gas. Maybe they dropped a day per week and so on. And of course, those are challenges there. Um, so as we start to get into the, uh, the important information that sellers need to know about buyers practice acquisitions, uh, practice acquisition loans, can you tell us what's the availability of financing now? Yes, I'll tell you. I mean, obviously, the dental industry has been a great industry for a very long time. Um, it, and the access to capital today probably has never been better. So so a couple things along those lines. One is that, um, you know, it's a what we like to say, almost 100 percent approval um, industry. Right. Uh, depending on the lenders and there's lenders that's that's, you know, it's. Uh, scale from from you know poor credit or or difficult deals to get done to a paper 
Um, so there's ability to get financing pretty much across the board and, and rates have never been lower. We're still at historically low interest rates right now. Uh, banks are willing to lend. Um, it's a great market. There's there's um, a lot of new players in the in the dental lending space because they realize how how strong uh, a market it is. So access to capital for first time practice owners is is probably the best it's ever been. And and, and I've been in doing this for 20 years. Um, it's it's uh, it's a great time uh, to get into practice. Well, it certainly sounds like it is, and uh, that's what many practice sellers are hoping for. <laughs> Uh, that the buyers recognize that. And uh, now that's great that there's capital that's available uh, with great terms, but what about working capital? Uh, if, if say a buyer doesn't buy the accounts receivable. Yes. So, so really in today's day and age, if, if you've got a buyer that's looking to purchase a, a practice, they're able to get 100% financing for that practice. So, so on top of that 100% financing of, of what the, the seller's asking for that practice, they're able to get working capital on top of it. So they've got a couple of options, you know, if they're not buying the accounts receivable and they're gonna need um, you know, some of that working capital to, to get them going for the first few months, um, they can either do a lump sum uh, working capital that's included in the loan, or they can get a line of credit uh, that they can tap into um, as they need it, as, as they start to transition into that practice. So um, again, it's, it's, it's really when you look at it, uh, these doctors are able to get into practice with, with almost zero money down, 100% uh, financing and working capital uh, to make sure that transition goes smooth. Good. Well, that brings us to another uh, topic, uh, an area of financing, and that would be the real estate. We see that a number of practice owners, obviously they either own or they lease the real estate that they're in. Uh, those who lease, we work toward uh, getting amendments to the leases so we can make sure that the term of the leases, uh, their, their options will be extended out through the term of the loan. And then uh, the assignment that the, that the practice owners make obviously needs to be approved by the landlords and landlords traditionally have well, it's just like if you or I were a landlord of a building and we had a dentist in it, would we want them to sign a long-term lease? Yes. <laughs> uh, so they, as a general rule, they're, they're all very cooperative. Um, and then of course the issue, uh, if a practice owner owns the real estate, do they want to sell it or do they want to lease it? And if they're flexible to do either, that's great for the practice owners. And if, uh, uh, if they're going to sell the real estate, how might that work? If for financing. Yeah. And Bob, I'll tell you this year, more than any year, we've seen more commercial real estate financing uh, than ever. So so right now it is a, a, apparently a great time to buy real estate because we're doing more real estate transactions than we ever have before. And it's everything from standalone commercial real estate where a doctor, like you had said, is goes in and buys that practice and, and rents um, and then looks down the road to, to purchase that real estate. Um, but we're able to do typically 100% financing for those dentists that are looking to acquire the practice and purchase the commercial real estate. Um, so we're able to do two different loans, obviously, uh, one for the practice acquisition, uh, one for the commercial real estate. And, and as you know, in, in commercial real estate, we're typically looking for a down payment. And, and typically what happens in order to get to that 100% financing for that doctor is the seller of the practice will typically hold back part of the note uh, for that down payment. So the doctor doesn't have to come out and tap into that liquidity that we were talking about earlier. Um, the seller can hold part of that note, which, which accounts for the down payment. So it allows that doctor to get into the practice and the real estate for 100% financing without having to uh, put, put a big 
piece of uh, money down uh, to, to get into that practice. So we're seeing more and more of that, especially when you've got a seller that's motivated to sell both. Uh, they're willing to, to hold on to a small piece of that note to make it happen for the doctors. And there's more doctors today that are interested in buying the real estate um, than they have in years past. So uh, we're seeing a, a big shift in, in that market as well. So uh, what, uh, what percent would you typically see a seller holding? Would it be around, say, 20%? Typically, yes. Yep, that's typically what we see, 20%. Okay. And, uh, you know, deals that I've been uh, involved with, we haven't had any issues with that at all. It seems like the sellers are very cooperative and, and carrying a little bit of that loan. Uh, I know that the, the, the loan uh, for the, both the seller financing portion and the, and the bank need to be coterminous, so they need to be the same length. But some of the other things can differ. And there can be some incentives built in there so that the buyers would want to go ahead and, and finance uh, through the lender the remaining balance after a year or two or however soon that they qualify to do so. So that's uh, that's worked out well in the cases that I've seen. And, and your company, I'm sure, is involved in many of those. Yep, absolutely are. So um, we don't talk about seller financing with practices very much. But uh, when would a seller need to participate, other than real estate, when would a seller need to participate in financing with a buyer? Yeah, you, you know, we don't, we don't see a lot of that either, but every now and again, certain circumstances come up and, and um, you know, a lender's gonna look to have the seller participate uh, in the financing uh, for that practice. And typically what we see is, and there's a couple instances where, where that will happen. Uh, one is, is regards to loan to gross. So uh, depending on the practice and what it's selling for, that loan to gross may trigger uh, the seller to participate. If it gets up to that 100% uh, mark, uh, we're gonna typically ask you know, the seller to, to put some skin in the game, if you will, um, and, and help out. Uh, it really comes down to the strength of the deal and the strength of the buyer. So you know, a few of the things that we look at as a lender is, is the cash flow of the practice. Um, will it support the debt of the new buyer? coming in, uh, the debt for the, the practice note and, and living expenses, if you will, for that buyer coming in. And so if those if that cash flow is very tight, um, you know, we may look to have some seller participation uh, in, in the structure of the of the loan. Um, and the other thing is, too, is is um, production of the buyer. So so if you've got a very young dentist coming in, that's not able to handle the production of a, a one doctor practice that's you know, doing them over a million dollars, there, there may be cases where we're going to um, ask the seller to participate, right, to ensure that that transaction happens smoothly uh, and that buyer can get their hand speed up and going and, and maintain that production uh, in that office. It, it's not it's not the norm. It's it's, you know, unusual circumstances where that that happens. Uh, but every now and again, we're always looking for ways to get deals done. Uh, we're looking for ways to get approvals in place to, to try to get those transitions uh, to the finish line. And, and sometimes we have to tap into asking the seller to participate a little bit in order to just get comfortable with it. Uh, but it's definitely the minority of the opportunities that we see. Well, that certainly makes sense, Ben. Our next subject is about what a typical buyer looks like. And I think we're going to carry that on to our next episode. So Ben, at this point, I'd like to thank you for uh, sharing with us today. And if you could share your contact information with our listeners, I sure would appreciate it. You bet, Bob. Appreciate being on today. Again, my name is Ben Stewart, and I can be uh, contacted at benjamin.stewart, and it's S-T-E-W-A-R-T, at bofa.com. My cell phone number, feel free to call, 
402-2936. Ben, thank you so much for being with us today and we'll catch you on our next episode. Thanks, Bob.